Hello everyone and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host Clarence and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe, while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper. What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, virtual group therapy for everyone affected by Tony Stark's Snap. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the first official After the Snap after party, which is, is actually, spoiler alert, is going to turn into the episodes of After the Snap. So, whether I have one person or no people, the show must go on. This is uh, this week's episode of After the Snap, and we have got uh, quite a bit to talk about today. But we're going to start it all off with this. The people over there at that museum had one job. They had one job. And that job was to keep that goddamn Annabelle locked up in her cage. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, all day today, there has been like rumors and an innuendo going on and over and over that Annabelle, the evil doll, the one from the movies, uh, that is being housed at the Warrens Museum. So uh, the, the late Lorraine Warren and her husband, their museum that is being overseen by their son. My understanding is that today, Annabelle escaped. So I wake up, get that good stretchy in first thing in the morning. You know how that goes. Take care of business, look at the telephone to see what I missed happening overnight. And that was one of the first things I saw. And I was thinking to myself, this fucking 2020, fucking 2020. But you know what? It was all a hoax. We were wrong. Annabelle is still safely tucked away. Now, uh, Lorraine Warren's son was saying, hey, she's still here. You know, look, Gage showed us the the evidence that she was still locked in her, her uh, display case. And he's like, we have great security here. We have uh, alarms on all of these doors. And I'm like thinking, dude, Annabelle been staying with you for years. Do you think that bitch don't know the code to the alarm? She could probably leave that place anytime she wants to. And now she's just been dared to do it. So we can rest easy knowing for now that Annabelle is still safe and secure in the display case, but that was a heck of a thing to wake up to this morning. All right, in other news today, 
things are not looking well for DC Universe streaming service. And now I already shared on a previous episode that I recently canceled my subscription, despite the fact that I'm still very interested in some of the original content that that platform um, offers. Now, the reason is the writing just seems to be on the wall. Uh, with Warner launching HBO Max earlier this year, the next logical step, in my opinion, would be to bring the successful shows from uh, DC Universe to the HBO Max streaming service. And then we saw Doom Patrol kind of jump ship and kind of realize that that's going to probably mean the same thing for Titans and the other original content. So right now, this story is still in the rumor phase. It's still developing. But there were some newsworthy layoffs at the DC Universe uh, in the production team. And that just adds fuel to the proverbial fire. So quick news on this particular subject. DC Universe and Warner Brothers has confirmed that uh, DC Universe will be strictly for uh, comic book sources. So the videos, movies, all the original content will be moved over to HBO Max and uh, DC Universe will still exist, but only with comic books, which is good news. You don't want to lose that comic books in the encyclopedia, but as more news becomes available, I will release it to you. This was just a quick breaking news because I did get information after the actual episode was recorded. So back to the show. It's not all bad news though coming from DC because August 22nd is going to be the huge DC event. It's going to be accessible for 24 hours everywhere in the world in the language of the land. So visit dcfandom.com to see the heroes, the villains, and all the new announcements being made from the various platforms. That's August 22nd. And DC, they really have pulled out all the stops. They plan a special event to celebrate us, the fans of the culture. Now, this includes cosplay, fan art, and other contests for the more extreme and diehard of us. And hopefully, they give us lots to look forward to amid this global pandemic. And part of the big day will include Wonder Woman 84 and the Batman previews. And in fact, the schedule is just, is really ridiculous and jam-packed. You can find that at dcfandom.com. Um, other things that we can look forward to with that event are the Blurred and Bougie House featuring Black and Latinx culture. And I, I like the fact that they are being inclusive, that we feel like we are part of this, this space. So it's going to be a party atmosphere at the uh, Blurred and Bougie house, including D-Nice on the ones and twos. So mark your calendars for August 22nd. And in anticipation, let's chat about the team movie, Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, during next Friday's after party. And let's keep the conversation positive. 
I know that there is a little bit of uh, disagreement on the version of Justice League that we got at the theaters. And it's enough of a disagreement that we will be getting the Zack Snyder, Snyder cut of uh, Justice League in a series form, I believe, going straight to HBO Max. So, because we are all gonna get what we want, we're gonna get that Snyder cut, but now uh, the, the one we're gonna talk about this coming Friday or next Friday, will be the one that we got in theaters. And it wasn't all doom and gloom. It was a lot of good things, a lot of stuff I liked about Justice League. It, it, it wasn't as bad as a lot of us remember, as a lot of us, you know, we sometimes misremember things. So we're going, we're going to be chill. We're not going to say anything negative about this movie going to talk about what we may have liked about it or we can even frame it in I would like to see this different in the Snyder Cut but because we're celebrating DC I definitely do not want it to be uh, us bashing Justice League. Now going on to our next news story New Mutants is sticking with this August 28th release date. Now, remember last week when I was just saying on uh, After the Snap that I couldn't understand why Disney was not uh, shifting gears on this particular uh, matter about New Mutants coming out August 28th at the theaters. But upon further review, I, I listened to John Campia and he makes some very strong points about that, one of which is that Disney is contractually obligated to release New Mutants in the theaters. So there was no wiggle room. You could not decide we're not gonna release it in the theaters. We're just gonna put it on uh, video on demand or on streaming. They had to give this movie a theatrical release by the contract. So bring it out August 28th no competition really there's no other really new movies coming out i think unhinged and tenet but that's not even all at the same time so let it sit at the theaters for those contractual three weeks you know and then make the move to streaming if it's not successful in the box office and i mean it may outperform expectations and then you will want to continue with that theatrical window. But if not, do what you what you uh, promised to do, which is to give this movie a theatrical release. A lot of people are looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it, but it's just been such a long time coming that I'm feeling like, man, are we ever going to get this movie? So at this point, we get the movie, we enjoy it in the theaters, and we may get it at a video on demand or a streaming release soon after. And a lot of people are thinking, well, what movie theaters are they gonna be showing this movie at? We are still in the middle of a pandemic. So how do they expect to make any money on a movie when the movie theaters are not currently uh, really open? Well, AMC is reopening next week. Yes, AMC is opening next week and they are opening for their centennial anniversary with tickets priced 
at their 1920 prices. So for 100 years of AMC, they're giving us, the moviegoers, who are desperate to get the hell out the house, <laughs> tickets for 15 cents that opening day. Now, there's going to be 400 theaters open by tenants September 3rd release, but they have not announced exactly how many will be open on opening day, the day that we are reopening the uh, AMC theaters. AMC has said that it's implementing new safety and health measures to keep um, moviegoers safe and curb the spread of the coronavirus. That includes requiring all guests to wear masks. You too, Karen. <laughs> Lowering theater capacity and upgrading ventilation systems. Now, my hope is that they continue with the social distancing, you know, maybe two thirds capacity in each, each screening. That'll make me feel safe enough to go into a movie. If I know that I got six feet on either side of me and six feet in front of behind me, I'm, and everybody's wearing masks, I might feel comfortable going back to the movies. I would not go to the movies if it was packed and everybody was just jam-packed. I wouldn't go. I, I wouldn't do it. So this is good news. Uh, after opening day, tickets are going to still be available for cheaper prices. And that will be uh, $5 for every movie, you know, after that. And, and the movies are still not going to be new movies. Keep in mind, they have to release some old movies because all the movies, all the movie studios pretty much shuffled around their schedules to accommodate what's going on in the world. So uh, Inception will be back on the big screen. We will also get uh, Black, Black Panther and Back to the Future and The Empire Strikes Back. So the cost, $5, and the Black Panther movie has the opportunity to add to its already impressive box office total of $1.3 billion worldwide. So it will be interesting to see if uh, this gives it a little nudge up the charts on the uh, the uh, box office records, the, the billion dollar club. Now, since we are on the MCU just a little bit, did you guys hear about the Easter egg that many of us missed in Infinity War? I mean, I saw that movie, really, a million times. I even named a podcast after it and never, ever saw the shield and sword logos on the back of Fury's pager. Now, it's there, though. <laughs> I've seen it now. It's there. So... That confirms to us that S.W.O.R.D. has been part of the MCU for some time. And for casual fans who will soon be asking what the fuck is S.W.O.R.D., it stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. And it's the, it's, uh, the space extension of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, which is S.H.I.E.L.D. So, and by the way, if you want to buy that pager, I think it may still be available on eBay for the low, low price of $2,500. $2,500. <laughs> so, I am not quite 
that rich. So I really, I, I can't, uh, can't afford that. It's too rich for my blood. So moving on, because uh, amongst all the other news, we had also yesterday, we got uh, episode two of Lower Decks. And I must say, this one, you know what? I'm not going to spoil again, because another thing I almost forgot. For like a matter of a couple of hours, I think, CBS All Access accidentally gave a global uh, release on YouTube of episode one. So a lot of my friends from around the globe were able to see episode one of uh, Lower Decks earlier than you were supposed to. It was only supposed, I think it was supposed to be region locked to North America, trying to get build the interest up for the show. A lot of people saw it. A lot of people didn't. I'm still not going to spoil it here on the show. I'm going to uh, I'm going to hold off on spoiling Lower Decks for you, but I am going to say there is a, an awful lot to like about the first episode. There's even more to like about the second one. The first episode, I will say this, the pacing was like, we're going to shove everything that we possibly can in this half an hour in this first episode. We got uh, an awful lot of information. We've been an awful lot of characters. There was so much uh, exposition built up. There were so many Easter eggs. There was so much, ah, you know, you feel like your head was going to explode. It was so much going on. It was very frenetic, very fast paced. Second episode was not slow at all, but it still, it, it gave you a little time to catch up with what was going on because a lot was going on in that uh, first episode. Second episode, more of the same. It was a very comedic take on some of uh, the, the Star Trek tropes that we have become used to as Star Trek fans. Even some of the stuff that we kind of uh, make fun of ourselves in, in Trekdom. It's a show that's not taking itself too, too seriously. And that is one of the things I like about it. Now, if you're looking for spoilers, I'm going to, and then they, they didn't like spoil the entire episode, but I will recommend to you, uh, my good friends over at Discussing Trek, they talk about all things Trek. In fact, they have an entire network where they, they have a show dis discussing Trek, and then they have a show discussing who, and then they have a show discussing comics. Uh, there's a lot underneath their umbrella, and they did. And there, there's uh, five or six of them. I watch them every day. I'm telling you, this is what old age looks like and sounds like. I listen to these episodes all the time, and I be forgetting all the time. When it comes time to like regurgitate it to somebody else, I get all stupid. And if this was the actual podcast, you'd be hearing the stupid music right around here because every time I get confused and say something stupid, the same music plays. <laughs> so with all that being said about discussing Trek and about Lower Decks and things that I just absolutely love, I decided that I wanted to find out once and for all, who is the, the, the best captain in Trek? And you know, 
I don't have no friends. <laughs> None of my friends will be listening to Star Trek. And I'm really like, I'm a 47-year-old nerd. So there's a lot of people who look at me like a fucking, I might as well have a horn coming out the top of my head and be pink and purple. But um, my friends over at uh, Discussing Trek, we had Jonathan and Clarence. They helped me out. We did a uh, uh, the bracket style 10 team elimination of all of the people who have sat in the uh, captain's chair uh, for any amount of time. I'm not talking about, hey, take the seat while I go to use the bathroom. I'm going to the ready room, data, take the, you know, the, the, the bridge is yours. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that. And, and I really, I missed, I think I missed one or two people. I did not include, uh, I did not include the captain of the USS Cerritos. I can't remember her name because stupid music play. I can't remember her name. I haven't included her because we don't know enough about her. You only really briefly see her in episodes one and two. She makes a, a cameo in episode two. You don't see her very much because we the show is focusing on the lower decks. So that's that for that. That's neither here nor there. We just had the the big ones, uh, Archer, Rios, Pike, Giorgio, Janeway, Cisco, Saru, Lorca, Picard, Kirk, and Saru only because he took over after uh, after uh, Lorca, you know, kind of before before Pike took over, Saru took over the ship after Lorca kind of disappointed everybody. By not being Lorca, <laughs> so I was um, I asked the questions to the to the guys, and and they each filled out uh, a single team a ten team single elimination bracket, and I wanted to do it like tourney style, like NCAA Sweet Sixteen type vibes, but of course, you know, I'm not that not that exciting. But they did fill it out for me. So uh, our first matchup on both sides of the bracket. On one side, we had Archer and Rios. That's where we started. And on the uh, the other side, there was Sari, Saru and Lorca. That's where we started. And I started with them because arguably those would be your wild card picks. I, 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 I mean, there's nothing that says that somebody couldn't come out and shock the world, but those are not going to be necessarily the people with the the top seeds in the captain category. Kind of like wild cards, like I said. So, out of the three of us, with uh, Archer and Rios, out of the three of us, two picked Archer and one picked Rios. So that means Rios, you know, he's he's out two to one. He lost. <laughs> okay. Then the Saru and wait a minute, wait a minute. The Saru and Lorca category. Uh, I think we all. Oh, that wasn't Saru and Lorca. It was Picard and Lorca. Picard and Lorca category. 
we all it was it was pretty obvious that there was going to be Picard. So Picard moves on to the next round, as does uh, Archer. Archer's next battle was against Captain Pike, and it can be either iteration of Pike, but I was definitely thinking of the Pike from Discovery. And uh, Pike, Pike across the board, he won all three, all three charts said the same thing. So we all agreed that Pike would move on to the next round of the captain's elimination. But we also had uh, Giorgio versus Janeway. Now, on one of the ballots, Janeway was just erased. Like she didn't even exist. Now I have a feeling it was intentional. I don't think one of the hosts from Discussing Treks liked, liked her very much. Now, on the other hand, uh, the other host, well, that's like one of his favorite shows is Voyager. He likes Janeway. So of course he picks Janeway, but Janeway and Giorgio, this is one thing, uh, the thing that made me pick Janeway, that she didn't fuck around and get herself killed. She faced off against some very tough Borg and some very tough uh, other alien species, and she 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 didn't get herself killed. Now, Giorgio, on the other hand, met up with the the Klingons, and of course, yes, she is a badass, and she did put on one hell of a display, but she got herself killed. <laughs> so she had to lose. So our, that means that moving forward was uh was Janeway versus Pike on one side of the bracket. Now let's move back to the other side of the bracket where um, most of us saw Cisco versus Picard. And this was a very difficult, uh, it was an extremely difficult one because Cisco is my favorite captain. So of course that means I chose Cisco. But out of all of these uh they, they all chose Cisco over Picard. And that was surprising to me. That was very surprising to me that all three of us came to that consensus. Now, the other bracket, part of the bracket was uh, Saru versus Kirk. And that one went two out of three for Kirk. And, uh, Jonathan chose Saru, and I would really like to pick his brain to ask him why he chose Saru over Kirk. There's a lot of things to not like about Captain Kirk, but the one thing that I'm 100% sure of um, uh, is that he has always been a very, he, he knows what it is that he's comfortable in his decisions, and he knows what it is that he wants to do. Unless he's been like taken over by some alien force, he makes a decision and sticks to it most of the time. He does take into consideration the prime directive. And at times he'll say, fuck the prime directive. We all know that Kirk was kind of like a, a free will. So I liked Kirk because of that or in spite of that. 
I think in spite of that. I liked Kirk in spite of that. So Kirk moved on. Um, Lord. Yeah, Kirk moved on and uh, Saru was eliminated. Finally, on one side of the bracket, we have Captain Pike of the USS Enterprise versus Captain Janeway of, of, of Starship Voyager. And then across the board, well, of course, I told you Jonathan chose Giorgio, but because he was outvoted by Clarence and I, he uh, he lost. <laughs> but he did come up with the same thing. We all pretty much, no, we didn't. I'm about to lie. Me and Jonathan came up with the 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 last man standing on one side of the bracket was Captain Pike. On the other hand, uh, Clarence came up with Janeway as the last woman standing on one side of the bracket. So he has been outvoted, even though I said, like I said, I can understand why, because that is his favorite captain. And the more I think about Janeway, the more I forgive her for fucking getting everybody lost <laughs> in the Delta Quadrant. I forgive her. And it, and it took many times of me watching and rewatching uh, Star Trek Voyager for me to say, okay, I kind of understand. I kind of get it. And you know, the, sometimes her decision making is like it, it's not completely against the prime directive. She does attempt to keep the ideals of the Federation alive while they're in the Delta Quadrant and lost. But I'm like, okay, she is a woman, <laughs> and and look, and I'm I'm not being sexist. I'm a woman, if you couldn't tell. And I would say that Janeway was presented in such a way that she was like in my age range, like she would have been in her forties as the starship captain of this vessel. And this wasn't supposed to be this kind of trip. She wasn't supposed to be out here for years. You know, we go through things and I'm going to go there. I know you guys are thinking, is she really about to go there? Yes. She's a woman. She on a starship vessel. She millions of miles away from her fiance. She did not plan to be lost in the Delta Quadrant. You know, women uh, have hormonal issues at times. I'm not saying it's an excuse, but we do get moody. We get moody, you know, and even after, you know, uh, that time of life, when that time of life comes that you're no longer going through those necessarily monthly uh, hormonal issues, you, you got this new thing. And that's what I'm in. That's where I'm at now. We got a whole new thing that's fucking up with your hormones. So I kind of started forgiving Janeway when I got middle-aged and, and stuff started changing. Okay. So sue me. She's a hell of a captain. I wouldn't have been able to do it. I'd have killed somebody on that ship. Anyway, other side of the bracket. What we had left was Cisco and Kirk. Cisco and Kirk. I already told you where I stand, right? <laughs> uh, Cisco's my favorite captain, and he honestly remains standing in uh, this 
single elimination, he remained standing to face off against Captain Kirk of the original Star Trek series. And let me tell you, what I appreciate the most about Cisco and, and uh, Clarence and I agreed on this. Yeah, Clarence and I agreed on this line of the brackets. And what I like about Cisco over Kirk is that uh, when Cisco did something like Cisco stepped outside of himself and he made decisions that were based upon uh, what the Federation needed outside of the rules. He didn't even say shit about no prime directive or nothing. I will blow his whole fucking planet up just, you know, to, to get back at you, Eddington, or I will, uh, I, I, I will put out a fake, fake news to the Romulans, you know, just to make sure that they are on our side of the Dominion War. He did some unscrupulous shit and we got to see him wrestle with the decisions that he made. So it wasn't like next week, everything's all good. We saw how this war affected Cisco when they had the names of the uh, of the lost and they kept updating the list of people who died, the casualties of the war that weighed so heavily upon him, how he had to step out and be like to his own daddy, look, this right here is Starfleet orders. You see, I've done it. Why don't you do it? You know, it's kind of reminding me of where we are right now. Like all these people saying, I don't want to wear no mask. I don't want to wear no mask. Look at your leaders. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. So, so you see what I'm saying? Cisco was, uh, he led by example. Sometimes his example was screwed up, but it was always for the greater good. He was a human. He made mistakes. We got to see him with the turmoil that those mistakes uh, made, the, the, the mistakes that he made, what they cost him in his spirit. You know, in, in uh, Kirk, Kirk made a mistake. And then next week, we didn't have to think about that shit no more. You know what I'm saying? And it was not so much. Kirk's fault. It was uh, a lot of being hamstrung by what was going on in their quote unquote federation, which was a whole hell of a lot of nothing. It was nothing going on. There was no turmoil. He went to other planets and was just like, okay, I'm going to throw a monkey wrench in y'all whole civilization. All right, hey, see y'all next week on a whole nother planet. And we never had to worry or deal with what he got wrong. And and that is one of the things that, you know, another thing that if you put P Picard and Cisco, the only reason I would choose Cisco over Picard is because Picard had an opportunity to eradicate the Borg, but he, oh, Starfleet principles. He allowed himself to be reminded of Starfleet principles when he could have done what would have been the best for the Federation outside of the principles and not saying it. I, I mean, I respect him for having that type of integrity. I'm not saying Cisco doesn't have integrity. I'm saying he's willing to make the tough decisions. And he, even though it, it hurts him, he's ready to live with those decisions. 
So those are things that I like about uh, Cisco. So we had Cisco and Kirk. I went off on a tangent. Between Cisco and Kirk, of course, I chose Cisco. Uh, Jonathan, he was down to Cisco and Saru, and he chose Cisco. And the tiebreaker, it ain't no tiebreaker, is it? <laughs> That's because Clarence also chose Cisco. We all came to the same conclusion, but we got there uh, in different ways. We 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 took a we took a trip. We all got to the destination, but we all took a different way of getting there. And that is, that's track. And that's one of the things like, uh, with especially with lower decks, and I'm seeing some people say, this is not track. And we always, always see that this is not track. It's never track when it's a new show. It is never flipping track. It is track. It's Trek. It's just not cut cookie cutter Trek. We had the same conversations after the original series. Nobody wanted to see all these changes in the next generation. And then after the next generation, what? A black captain in Cisco. And then after uh, uh, Deep Space Nine with Cisco, there's what? A woman captain with Janeway. And then after that, it was who asked for Archer? And then after that, it was who asked for discovery? Who asked for the Calvin timeline? Who, who, who? You are not the gatekeeper of Trek. You either like it or you don't. We can agree to disagree. You don't have to like it. You can't say that it's not Trek just because you don't like it. So. I don't know where that rant came from. <laughs> well, one of the things, the last things that I wanted to talk about was uh, Umbrella Academy. And I know ain't nobody checking for Umbrella Academy. I know nobody is looking for me to talk about episodes one and two of Umbrella Academy. That's why I left it for last. So I, I did uh, episodes one and two of season one because I'm going back to season one. I'm going to really quickly tell you just this quick rundown of what I liked about episodes one and two, season one of Netflix Umbrella Academy. You can actually shut it off if you're not trying to hear the rest of this, but I would like for you to hang around, hear the end, so you can hear me tell you to, you know, like, comment, subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're watching this on Facebook, you know, send me but it's little emojis and shit. I like that. And then if you're watching it uh, or if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know, rate, subscribe to the show. I need that. I, I like reviews. I like ratings. I like subscribers. But at the same time, I don't mind talking to myself. And that's just what I've been doing for the last almost 40 minutes. So, but I, I don't feel bad about that at all. I will talk to myself. I don't know if anybody's on YouTube watching this. If you are, what's up? I, I don't have the, I, yeah, I suck. So, but if you're watching it and you're on YouTube, what's up? Now, really quickly, fast as I can, I'm going to go through uh, Umbrella Academy, season one, episode one and two. Well, no, episode one. I'm just going to talk about episode one. On October 1st, 1989, 43 women gave birth to children at the precise same time. 
Now, the catch was they weren't even pregnant at the start of the day. So imagine just going about your regular ass daily routine. And at some point during the day, you just became pregnant and went into labor. All of this happened in a matter of hours. Now, that's how the Umbrella Academy series begins. It's like this really weird supernatural thing happens to all these women is like uh, immaculate conceptions. So from there, we watch Reginald Hargreaves, and he is kind of an eccentric billionaire. And he went around the world basically collecting as many of these children as he could because he's a billionaire. And he ended up adopting seven of them. And the kids grew up, and we find out they are special. And uh, they're addressed by the order that Hargraves uh, obtained them, basically. So Luther is number one, and he has super strength and size. And then Diego is number two, and he's like a, a knife expert and a part-time vigilante. Now, number three is Allison, and she can like tell you a secret that pretty much forces you to do whatever she wants. And God, to have that power. But yeah, Forrest Klaus, and he's driven to drugs by his power because his power is speaking to the dead. And I can imagine I would need something to, to take the, the edge off. Every time I look around, you see dead people. I see dead people. <laughs> but anyway, uh, five is five. Number five is five. So no other name, just five. Now five can travel through time and has never matured physically past 13 years old. Now, uh, number six is Ben and he could conjure monsters, but he's dead and he's uh, also, he, he still hangs out with Klaus because Klaus, remember, he can see dead people. So one of the good things about that is that he can at least, he's, he still is able to have a relationship with his dead brother, but his dead brother works as like a conscience to him. And then it's kind of like, I don't really want this conscience. I want to be able to do these drugs and take this alcohol without having somebody speaking, uh, sense to me, but. That ain't the way it worked out. He has the power to see dead people and his brother just hangs out with him all the time. Now, number seven is Vanya. And she's apparently the only one of these kids who's ordinary with a lot of underlying illnesses. So not only is she ordinary, she's kind of weak. She can't even like be trained to do fighting all this stuff because she has to take all this medicine all the time. And she has like anxiety and that type of thing, but she's a pretty good violinist and she plays in the orchestra. That is her superpower. So Pogo is like Alfred. He's like the butler of the family. And he's like, uh, he's a talking chimp. Now we're introduced to all of these characters in a very like fast, frenetic pace. Like the first episode just keeps the viewer off balance with all of these revelations. It's 
it's actually, it was kind of like always constantly on the edge of my seat. But so Hargreaves discovers each child's hidden talents. Then he trains them to master their powers. And as they grow older, they formed a, into a team of superheroes, except for Vanya. And they all had a little tattoo umbrella on them instead of the Umbrella Academy. Now, Vanya is left out of all the exploits and she does not even have a tattoo while the rest of her siblings gain celebrity for being heroes. Now, I wasn't sure that I would be all interested in Umbrella Academy even after the buzz this show got all over social media. I'm like, I'm one of those people, I don't like hype. Like, it's, if it's too much hype around something new, just call me Scrooge. I don't really fuck with the bandwagon. So one board weekend, and I'm talking months after everybody else stopped talking about Umbrella Academy, months later, I was bored. I decided to hit play on the series. As a matter of fact, it was earlier this year when I quote unquote had to quarantine myself because they thought maybe I had COVID, but I, I don't even know if I had it. I had something it felt like the flu. But of course, during that time, early April, they were like, no, we're not going to give you a test. Just act, stay at home and act like you got it. So now I have a whole week and some change <laughs> to just sit around and, and do what? Watch Umbrella Academy. And that's what I did. So uh, I decided to hit play on it because it was the Netflix kept saying it's a 97% match for me. So I'm like, you're going to keep on showing me this shit until I hit play, huh? So I finally hit play and it's a damn shame that Netflix algorithm knows me better than I know myself because <laughs> I did like, I do like Umbrella Academy. It is a 90, it's actually more than 97% match. It was like a 100% match. <laughs> so moving on, the children grow up and all of them have some kind of beef with dear old dad because Hargreaves is not uh, warm and cuddly. He's like very, he's like, his, his, he's an egomaniac. That's the word I'm looking for. He's an egomaniac on top of his eccentricity. He is an egomaniac and he, Everything revolves around him. It has to be his way. He is extremely hard to deal with. I can understand why these kids was like, once they got grown, we getting the fuck out of here. They became estranged from uh, Hargreaves, except for Luther. Luther stayed by his dad's side. Now, he became an astronaut and his dad was like, oh, you got to go and guard the moon for decades. So. He went to the moon and he was on the moon by himself. So five, five was the first to leave anyway. That he opened a portal and disappeared in the future. Just poof, he was gone. I think he it, it wasn't intentional. He didn't intentionally want to go to the future, but that's where he ended up being. And he stayed there for many, 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 many years. Now, Allison, that's to tell you a secret. 
she became a Hollywood celebrity actress and she was a wife and a mother. She had a family. She was celebrity. But I'm wondering to myself, because I have not watched season two, like you become an actress. How much of this is you just whispering to people, give me this job? How do we know you really are a good actress? You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, it's like eyelashes, eyelash issues. Okay. How do, how do we know that you're really a good actress? How do we know that you didn't just convince these people by whispering in their ear, give me this damn job, and now you got the job? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. She got a daughter. She's got a husband. And she's a celebrity. She's rich. Klaus just continued to abuse drugs. He's just like, if, if, if he ain't met a drug that he don't like. Diego was a thorn in the police side with his whole Batman vigilante act. And uh, Ben is still dead. And Vanya is just living a normal life. Not even her best life. It's just normal. It's just like, kind of like me. Like, <laughs> go to work, come home. At least she had the goddamn violin. I just sit and talk to myself. Anyway, they remain out of contact with one another until the death of Reginald Hargreaves. And then they all came back to the house where they grew up and they had to try to settle their father's estate. So they came back one by one. <clears throat> and as they were making their way back, they we, we start to realize that they not only had issues with dad, they had issues with one another. And it's like, now we're going to have to kind of face each other and sort through the issues that we have with one another. As with each other as it was with their father. So during this impromptu reunion, Luther, big, super strong, came up, came to the conclusion that uh, his father was not, his father was murdered. His father did not die naturally. <clears throat> and so he was trying to determine which one of his siblings may have perpetrated the, the, uh, the murder. He may, who was the likeliest suspect? So now five is the last to return and he's on a mission. He and He's on a mission. He's got his own thing that he's trying to do. And he don't come back alone. See some future assassins followed him to kind of bump him off before he could do anything to change the timeline. So this is when we find out how much of a bad ass five is. Five killed all of them. You're not coming here. You're not. You're not about to stop me. So what we find out <clears throat> as we move on into this episode is that five came back because he happens to know that the whole world is going to end in eight days. Now, he came back on March 24th. So eight days would be beginning of April. Actually, it'll be April Fool's Day. <laughs> so. He came back to try to change the fate of the world, to save the world from ending. And uh, yeah, so timeline assassins, the, the people, they coming from the time corporation of the future. They try to make sure he does not do anything that's going to change this. This shit just needs to happen the way it's supposed to happen. Now, so this first episode really kept me, like I said, it kept me on the edge of my seat. 
I really didn't know how much I was going to enjoy this this wild ass ride because I never read the comics. In fact, I wasn't even aware of these comics. I never heard of the Umbrella Academy comics. And I feel like the fans of the comics kind of would have uh, more to say about how they may feel because, but I imagine it being like the same way I felt when I saw Tony Stark on the big screen as Robert Downey Jr. I was like, that is most certainly Tony Stark. He just, God. So I know how I felt when I saw Iron Man for the first time on a big screen. And, and of course you feel the same way. I felt the same way in 1989 when I saw Batman come to the big screen. It's just when you see these screen, big screen adaptations of some of your favorites, you start to think to yourself, you know, God, look at how far superhero shit has come. Look at how far comic book have come characters from uh, my childhood. Now, I don't know when Umbrella Academy was out and all of this stuff, but I'm just saying like that's the way I felt when I saw Batman in 1989 with that Prince soundtrack. And I digress. But when I saw Batman in 89, it was that. When I saw Superman in 78, or I think it was 78, it was that. When I saw, you know, so I can just keep doing this over and over. Now, I was not invested in the comic book version of Umbrella Academy, but I was very excited to see this, this story being told. So I can only imagine what fans of the comic books felt like. I guess that's really where I was going with all of that. So I, uh, I love to hear your testimonials. Like I'd love for you to send me emails and whatever after the, after the snap at gmail.com after the snap at gmail.com. If you would like to, uh, Tell me how you felt if, as a fan of the comic book, seeing your Umbrella Academy characters brought to life. And yes, I know that they made changes and they made different decisions as to uh, bringing these characters to life. But I always think that that's good because if you do things exactly the way they were in the comic books, then I might as well read the fucking comic books. I need to be surprised in some way, shape or form. And, and that's, some of the things that I like about these big screen adaptations of the superhero movies that they they change just enough to keep me interested. And I and I, I love that. So now if you make comments or whatever, please make sure to limit your discussion to season one, episodes one and two, or I'll have to cut you. No, seriously. I will I will cut you if you spoil. If you spoil season two of Umbrella Academy for me, I will cut you. Real talk. So, bye. It's been fun. I've talked for almost an hour. Again, you got comments, questions, concerns after the snap at gmail.com or just all over the social medias at after the snap. Um, you guys can meet me back here at Get Vocal on YouTube Live or on Facebook Live next week, Friday, where we're going to do this all over again to include a little conversation about Justice League, uh, the movie, the, the movie. There's so many of us kind of uh, did wrong back in the day. We just, we didn't have to be 
that ugly about that movie. We know again, DC fandom, it, it will come on uh, the day after we do after the snap next week. So I, I don't know if I'm thinking special episode or what. Catch up with me on social media. We'll find out, and you know, I'll make a decision sometime soon about how we're going to handle fandom. But I think that's going to be an excellent, excellent opportunity for DC to give us some great news about our future movies. And there are some things that I know already, and I'm just not telling you because I can keep a secret. Anyway. Thank you for joining me if you're here. And if you're not here, thank you for joining me. (laughs) I will uh, talk to everybody on the next one. Catch you on the flip. Peace.